Shula Bowl pod fans, we are officially in the off season. Won't be able to wish you happy football watching because for both accounts, both sides of the FAU-FIU rivalry, the season has come to a close. But certainly in different fashion for both teams, different expectations, different feelings going to the offseason. And as we are taping this on December 1st, a renewed hope of optimism around FIU athletics as a whole. Eric Henry, FIU beat writer, SB Nation, full house tonight. Got Mr. Panther himself, the son, the proud son of Papa Panther, David Hondel. Find him on Twitter at MrHondel321. And of course, Shane Marinelli, all things FAU. It's going to be a busy time of the year for him. This is when, I mean, you thought uh, you're getting the best FAU coverage during the year, but this is really when Shane, this is Shane's World Series. This is his NBA Finals. We are going right into his, you know, playoffs right here. Like, this is going to be Shane's LeBron against the Pistons, you know, game five. Uh, this entire era right here. It is recruiting. It is transfer portal. It is all heating up. Shane Marinelli, uh, Owls 247. I'll start things off with the news of the day. Actually, news of yesterday, first reported by, I believe, Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press, that UCF Associate Athletic Director Scott Carr would be taking over as a new athletic director at FIU. He had his introductory press conference today at FIU at the Graham Center at the Pitt. Uh, I think I got that right. The GC pit, right, David, uh, as a Panther here, the resident Panther, although seemingly, you know, who knows that's going nowadays. I think I, I, I nailed that reference there. He was certainly full of enthusiasm. Same with President Mark Rosenberg. So we will talk a little bit about the new AD at FIU. David, what are your thoughts? You had a chance to check out the press conference. You had a chance to meet the new AD at the basketball game. Scott Carr, what are your thoughts, sir? Eric, I am very, very excited. I mean, it was an immediate, you know, immediate difference that I felt uh, once I was able to speak to him at the basketball game. And I was telling you a little bit about it off, you know, right before we started recording that, you know, one of the things that I, I already feel the change in is we have someone who actually enjoys talking to alumni, enjoys, you know, just having conversations in general, because, he, he walked up to every single person, um, you know, at the vicinity that I was in and just shook everybody's hand, made conversation with everybody, um, you know, wasn't trying to move on to the next guy. Like he would stand, like wait until you finish and, you know, talk to everyone around him. He was just a genuinely, seemed like a genuinely nice guy. And, and, and a lot of, and, and in the press conference and also in what uh, conversation that he had with AJ at halftime, um, just his demeanor and, and, and his messaging is already a huge difference of like, like a quote that he said, he's like, um, he said, I'm a builder, not a, not a, God, I'm misquoting it, but either way, he seems very excited about his new role. He's very excited, um, to be here and his, you know, resume pretty much speaks for itself. He's been at UCF since I believe 2016, uh, which everyone, you know, including especially Eric here knows, uh, you know, what UCF has been able to accomplish. And, you know, before that he's at Auburn and, and, and he already has Florida connects working, working at the orange bowl. Um, you know, he's, he went to Florida. So I, I think this has been a home run hire. Uh, I, I didn't know much about him before, to be honest, but from everyone I've spoken to that has any type of connection to UCF, uh, you know, says amazing things about him. And, and I've yet to hear a, a negative, 
you know, comment, uh, whether it's on Twitter or, or just people that, that I've asked that are connected to UCF, uh, everyone seems to love him. And, and, you know, I, I am extremely, extremely excited. Um, and, you know, it obviously starts with, you know, at least for football, it starts with hiring the next coach. So I'm sure that's going to be coming soon, but so far in the first couple of days, he has me very excited, Eric. And, uh, and yeah, man, I, I, I am, I am so back. I am so back. And FIU is bike. So with that, I'm going to toss it to some sound of Scott Carr. A little bit about some of my philosophy, the four pillars of success that I look at within intercollegiate athletics. First one starts with shared integrity. We're going to do things the right way. We're going to have honesty. We're going to have integrity. And that's across the board. That's academics, rules, compliance, social responsibility. That, that's just who you have to be. Genuine experience. You hear people talk, use that word a lot, experience. I like to call it genuine experience. There has to be a positive culture with, uh, and to provide positive support and positive, positive experiences to all of our constituents. So you heard a little sound from the press conference there. You talked about his four pillars, the other one talking about ac- athletic success. And last uh, but not least, certainly on the minds of Panther fans, is fiscal responsibility. So that's one that certainly uh, will be abundant. Uh, Shane, I know you probably haven't had a chance to listen to the press conference or anything like that, but just from the outside looking in before I kind of give my thoughts, I'm just curious your your perspective on this uh, move. Not looking for anything specificity to Scott Carr again, but just from an outsider's perspective, what are your thoughts on um, the fact that essentially, because we haven't had a chance to really get your, your thoughts on the Pete Garcia era being over, and now there's a fresh face in terms of AD. Well, I, the first thing I thought was fun was uh, FAU athletic, athletic director tweeted out, you know, they obviously have a connection from UCF. You know, uh, I'm sure he knows, you know, uh, Scott Card knows Danny White, uh, Brian White's brother really well. And he tweeted out congratulating him. And I thought that was kind of like, that's a good sign for if we hope the shoe bowl continues, uh, you know, you know, you know, it, with the, headed into the years going forward past 2022 and 2023. Um, you know, so I think that'll be fun, you know, I, I obviously hiring anyone from the kind of UCF tree, right? Like that's, that's where G five programs, that's what they want to be right in the state of Florida. Uh, you know, everyone wants to be the next UCF, right? Um, and so, you know, obviously, I think, you know, the good thing is, is we're kind of looking at here. You know, I will say this though, you know, it, it's, it's almost like for the first time, I, I know David, like we're, we're back Mike. Um, <laughs> no, you're just like, you, you're just in the room. You know what I mean? Like you've just <laughs> no, gotten agree. to like, we're bike, you're Shane, just, we're bike. You're not any, like all you are is like a normal program now. You know what I mean? You still <laughs> got to do so many other things. It's like, it's like you just found directions to the party. That's it. Right. Like you're there, you found directions to the party, but like you still got to like go there and like do all these other things that are so difficult when it comes to, you know, you could do everything. FAU has Dr. Kelly, Brian White, amazing facilities, an amazing stadium. And it's still really hard to put it all together to win football games. Right. It's still super hard in the college football where coaches turn over all the time. And you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. And, you know, here's the thing. I know 
FIU fans have said this for years, right? This is like a little bit, and I'm really curious to see how it goes in the next, I guess, I guess, I think 18 months is a, is a fair assessment. Um, and I'm sure in the next six months, there'll be some announcement of some master, uh, like facility, you know, some major funding capital goal, right? You see athletic programs all the time. I've heard that FIU fans say, oh, we couldn't raise money because of Pete Garcia. We couldn't raise money because of people that pay Pete Garcia. Okay, well, you got that dude. Let's see, you know, the, the checks roll in. Let's, you know what I mean? Like, it's like everyone says that's why the donations aren't there, but you know, you know, where's the FIU Schmidt's the Schmidt family with FAU. They've given like, I think like 30 million total dollars. No, Shane, listen, I two things I want to hit on really quick before I toss it back to David. One, I asked Scott Carr, how long his contract was? He said it's a four year contract. I asked him, my follow-up was, is that enough time to be able to get this athletic program in your estimation to the next level, to where it needs to be? Scott Carr's answer in my mind was very pointed. He said, I think four years is enough for me to earn another four years. That's a direct quote. So in my mind, and I can't read and listen for, you know, full disclosure, we do hope to have Scott Carr on this podcast so he can elaborate on his thoughts a little bit more. But in my mind, uh, that answer was pointing and was telling because it, it makes me think, okay, he realizes this is not going to be a UCF two year, you know, you get there in 2016, 2017, uh, end of the 2017 um, season, you, you know, going undefeated. It's not going to be that at all. So the second thing, uh, Shane, I did ask Scott Carr, you know, do you have a timeline in terms of funding? And one of the things that needs to be addressed is facilities. He says he doesn't have a timeline, but it's absolute priority. Again, that's, you know, it's probably kind of a uh, of, of an answer to play it safe because you have to figure out, as you mentioned, it's nice to talk about it, David. And this is where I'm going to toss it back to you because you're a resident Panther here. It's nice to talk about, hey, we need this. We need that. And what is stopping me is Pete Garcia. It's not an, not an impediment anymore, David. P. Garcia is gone. So I'll be very interested to see all of the FIU fans. And we and listen, I got to give Walter Via credit as well, because Walter asked, do you think now that you can get fans through the door? And he said, hey, it's going to be a process. It's going to be, you know, it, time will tell. It's going to be a process, but I plan on trying to go out there and engage every single person. But now you got to put the, the balls in the, in the fans of FIU fans court, David. Yeah. Um, and I mean, listen, he's definitely got a lot of work to do. Um, that's, you know, that's apparent. And it's not like, I'm expecting, you know, I'm obviously joking with, you know, we're bike, we're bike, but obviously I'm not expecting us to have a complete turnaround, you know, by next year. Right. But the, the immediate difference that I've already noticed is like, well, you kind of just mentioned that he says that he wants to go out of his way to, you know, talk to every, every alumni, talk, talk to anybody that he can. It's, it's just a breath of fresh air because, you know, one of the, one of the roles of an AD is like, it's almost like, like a politician, right? It's like shaking hands, kissing babies. Like you want to be the face of the program. You want people to be, to, you know, follow you and, and come back to university and give to the university. Right. And so what he's already doing in his short, you know, two days, he's only been here two days, but he's going out of his way to, you know, interact with, with fans and interact with alumni. And, and, and one already key difference is that he's on every social media platform. He's already, he's going to start using his social media even more now. And, and it's like little things like that, 
that I think are going to pay off. Granted, obviously, we have to see if they're going to, but I, I, I already it's leaning toward the right way of doing it. And, and I'm you know, hoping that it, it's obviously going to grow from there. And, and another thing is, it's, it's no secret that there's a, there was a lot of, uh, of alumni that, that stopped coming around to FIU because of Pete. Um, however, a lot of those same people have already reached out to not only him, to just like other you know, fans, and, and, and they're already thinking of coming back of not only at football, but like just coming back to the university. A lot of people that were at this, the, the press conference today were people that you know, haven't been to a football game in years because of Pete. Um, and so like, like little things like that, it's, it's, it, I think it's, it, hopefully if he can take advantage of, of re-engaging those Panthers and, and, re-engage, and, and engaging in, in you know, not only alumni but students too, uh, I think you know, he can be on the right path. And, and, I, and when I was talking to him today, a quote that he, he said, he's like, listen, like my, you know, some people say my, my, my biggest, uh, I guess not really annoyance, but is that I almost talk too much. Right. And, and it, it's just funny because it's like, we're, we're not used to that because I, I mean, in, in his 15 years, you know, besides the fact that, you know, Pete and my dad tried to have the greatest relationship, I don't remember ever speaking a word to Pete. <laughs> and so I barely even saw him, uh, you know, he was like hiding at, at, a, at athletic uh, events. So, um, you know, I, it's honestly at this point, it's just you really hope for the best. It, he seems to be, you know, having the right foot forward. Um, and, but, you know, obviously we have, you know, give him some time to see, you know, how this pays off. But I think as of now, people should be excited to have someone who's like really excited to be here. Um, and so that I, I, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I think, I think it, as of yet, as of right now, it's, it's, it's a very good hire and uh, hopefully, you know, he can take, take this program to the level that we expect it to be at. All right. We're going to have plenty more on the new hire with Scott Carr, as I mentioned, hoping to have him on the podcast in the near future. So keep an eye out for that. I want to jump in two things really quickly before we toss to our interview with Tony Capobianco. He is the gentleman from five reasons sports who wrote the opinion piece on FIU football, state of FIU football. We recorded an interview with him probably a couple of weeks ago. Forgive me that uh, we're trying to get that out, but you know, news keeps happening pretty fast. We've had to, yeah, we, kind of, we, we, we're, we're going to have some lost tapes on our hand. We, have, we <laughs> Eric, Eric and I have recorded two full episodes that just haven't been able to go out because the next day something new happens. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we'll toss our you with Tony in a second, but I want to get, I definitely want to get Shane's thoughts on this as well, but David want to start here. So, we have seen the transfer news. A ton of players have hit the transfer portal, whether it's been Sione Finau, Miles Frazier, Tyrese Chambers, most notably, that FIU fans are certainly uh, mourning the loss of him in terms of being on their roster. And we've seen many others. Benny McCray, Rashad Colson, Sean Peterson Jr. I mean, the list goes on and on in terms of guys who've chosen to hit the transfer portal. So, David, I want to get your thoughts specifically on the Tyrese, uh, the Tyrese decision to transfer. We talked about that on a previous podcast, and uh, we'll toss to Shane after this. But w- want to get your thoughts on uh, on um, Tyrese? Excuse me, on Tyrese transferring first. Yeah, I mean that that's the one that hurts the most. Um, obviously, you know you, you you have a guy who just transfers to us and then breaks <laughs> like almost all our our receiving records. You know, receiving yards, touchdowns. 
And, and the guy's an absolute stud. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't too shocked by the news just because usually, you know, when a coach leaves, you're, you're going to see, especially now that the portal's so open, you're going to see guys leave. I mean, the number that, that, that I've entered from FIU is, is probably honestly way more than I thought, but I expected a, a, a good amount to enter the portal. So it, it does hurt. Um, but I, I'm at the same time, like worried for a lot of them because the guys like Tyrese, they'll, they'll find a place. And um, like they he's going to land somewhere, but there's a lot of guys that I, I, I thought were questionable to, to enter the portal. And like, it, it's almost like, like you, you hope that obviously you hope for the best and you hope they land somewhere. But I, I feel like the transfer portal is also open the opportunity for people to just think that they have the chance to leave and it doesn't materialize and they kind of get screwed over. Um, so, you know, you hope that doesn't happen. But I wouldn't be shocked too, Eric, and, and, I, and, and you and Shane can probably touch on this more. I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if some of those guys who initially put their name in the portal come back to us. Is that like a, is that a, I know it's a thing, but like, like do, do you <laughs> think that's, that, that can happen, especially depending on who we hire? Um, so I, I can see a few of them coming back, but the Tyrese one, I, I, I'm going to assume he's, especially he's been posting. It seems every five minutes that he's got an offer from somebody. Uh, uh, but but for the rest of them, do, how many do you think Eric if, if would come back if if if, if any? Could I take this, Eric? Yeah, go Shane Marinelli, go for it. I will add one thing at the end, but you go for it, sir. Okay, I, I think this is how people need to view the portal right now. Okay, so first let's just touch on a rule. The NCAA basically made a rule. Normally, you could only take 25 scholarship kids a year. So you could essentially, no matter how many kids you lose at the portal, as of last year, you could only take 25 kids, right? That's why so many schools like FIU were way under the 85-person scholarship, okay? Okay, well, so so there's that, right? Now, this year, they basically said you could take take, uh, an additional – you could take the 25 plus you could take an extra up to an extra seven for every one kid that leaves right to help. So if you have two kids that leave at the portal, it, it basically grants you 27. You could, you know, you could take 27 kids, 25 plus two. Okay. FIU is already at their backs. Okay. They, they are well over their backs. They've been what? Nine, 10, 11, 12, um, enter the portal. Now, I think what you need to look at is the kids that entered, all right? They're two, I think it's, we're at like 250 kids in three days have entered the transfer portal, right? And granted, there is lots of different types in the portal, okay? And it's kind of hard to sift through who is good, who is transferring because they're tainted, who is transferring because they're not good enough, who is a kid looking for just a better opportunity, Okay, and there's not a lot of time to sift through it. I think a question you need to ask yourself, and this is a two-part answer. This is a very different for F, different answer for FAU. Is obviously a team that's maybe a few players away and some corrections away from a conference title. And FIU, who is like a full, is like a four-year rebuild. Is a player that we lost to the portal? Can that player be replaced with something else that's an upgrade or has a higher ceiling? 
And I think for most of the FIU players that have entered the portal, I think the answer to that question is yes. Right. Let's look at a player like Sean Peterson. Okay. I saw some, uh, uh, you know, FIU fans that were like, Oh no. Oh God. He left. Right. Maybe he's had some flashes, but Eric, I think I looked it up because there was an FAU fan that asked me about him. That he averaged under four yards a carry last year or something like that. You know how many running backs you can go find in the portal will go get you three and a half yards a carry if you really need it? They'll be knocking down your door. Some will be walking on, right? Like that is it up. You can upgrade that easily. Now, granted, the, the, the Frazier and the Tyrese Chambers, that stakes. But all the other players... Why, why bring them, you know, if they, if FIU is, if FIU has room in the 85 man scholarship, even after they take in 32 players, which they might at this point, God, I mean, Eric, how many, how many scholarship players does FIU have right now? It, it would be a rough estimate. The number, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know, I'm coughing so much today. The number right now, scholarship players in this roster is under 50. I can say that for a fact. Okay, so that that changes a little bit. FAU's in a much different, but like, by by they probably they're closer to the with the seniors graduating. They're closer to probably the seventies, you know, low sixties right now, which is normal. That gives them they probably need some attrition, but that's another story. Um, if FIU maxes out, takes in thirty-two players, and then they still have room under the 85 man scholarship rules. And there's a couple of those guys that want to come back. You could take them back. Be like, Hey, you know, you can't fill it another way. So you might as well let them come back. They don't count against your yearly cap. Okay. You know, that, um, so maybe that's a scenario, but here's my strategy for, we will do more recruiting. FIU needs to think about this. FIU should not be taking, and whoever the head coach is, maybe, you know, depending on who they hire, the strategy, FIU should not be taking a single player that has less than three years of eligibility. If I was FIU, I'd probably take 25 high school players. It's a really good year to be in a position to take high school players at the G5 level. So many programs out there are using all their spots for transfers. There's, you could get high school, you know, high school players that, you normally wouldn't get just because of the trickled out effect of so many more spots going to transfer players that there's more high school player, talented high school players out there looking for scholarships. And FIU should take advantage of that, get some of these, you know, some of these higher level recruits that, you know, maybe like not, you're not going to get four stars, but you know, some higher level three-star kids and just fully accept that you're going to be a young roster for a couple of years, take your lumps, you know, do your, another, I know it stinks to hear you do another one in 11, you do a three and nine. And then all of a sudden you're looking at a team that has, you you know, of a bunch of, that's essentially what happened with FAU leading into their 2017 championship. Granted, they changed coaches, but you know, people forget that someone like Aziz was like a, two-year starter he was on two three and i teams you know and i think that's the approach fiu needs to have don't worry about winning next year so david really quick you know shane gave a very detailed nuanced answer and it's i'm glad he took it because he walked fiu fans 
from A to Z. I'll just try to, you know, pluck out the two highlights for your question and for FIU fans who, again, you know, may not be as nuanced. A, there may be room for them to return because of the fact that FIU is so under the scholarship limit right now that even if FIU took 32, there may be room because you may have two or three or four more guys who may transfer out. There may be room for a handful of guys to come back. But B, and I think it's the most important point that Shane made, when you look at this roster, when you look at the guys who left, is there, is there really, you know, that big of And listen, I covered these guys. They're all great guys. But if you're losing a Jason Mercier, if you're losing a Rashad Colson, if you're losing a, um, you know, a Sean Peterson Jr., you can probably get something similar that you can build on either out of high school or if you want to go to the portal, someone who, as Shane mentioned, he's not looking for guys who don't have at least three years of eligibility left. So that's the most very simple way to, to, to answer in terms of an answer and an approach. Um, did, did that make sense, David? No, yeah, no, it, it definitely does. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, I, I, it was more, yeah, like asking if that was even a possibility. But yeah, there's just so many names out there to like 250 or, or I think that was the number you said, Shane. That's wild to me. Like, that's absolutely wild. Um, but I mean, I guess FIU is just going to have to replace Tom Peterson Jr. with uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Davidson. <laughs> Shane, really quick, I, I want your, your thoughts on this. Um, and then we'll go and toss the interview with Tony Capobianco. Shane, what are your thoughts when you hear, of course, you know, some guys are going are gonna to land. Some guys may not land. But what are your thoughts when we, we saw what Chambers was, right? Chambers is someone who's going to get looks. Sione for now. Chambers is going to end up at a power five school. Right. See, that, see, Sione for now, uh, Shane, and I just want to get a specify on the offensive lineman here. For now, the day he entered the portal, David, I know you saw this. There was like a two hour stretch where he tweeted out offers from half of the, you know, the lower tier Big Ten and a couple SEC schools. And then you look at Frazier, Shane, who I know you know, um, I've started to take a look at because FAU offered. He has gotten offers from Auburn, Texas A&M. Um, I think I just saw one from Texas the other day. Shane, what do you make of that? Just for as an outsider, when you see, again, not every FIU kid is getting these offers, but in specificity, offensive line, an area that, you know, you build football teams from the trenches in, in and then you build out. The fact that they have two guys on that line who, who are getting those type of offers, just your thoughts, just given, you know, the way season played out and whatnot. Uh, it's a scarce position. It's, it's a two, two things. One, it's just a scarce position. I mean, we see it in the NFL, right? Like how many times you just, how many teams would you say are comfortable with their own line? Sure. We know the dolphins are out there, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you did Liam Eikenberg get, get used as a weapon to hit two Oh with, right. Um, and it's also one of the hardest positions that somebody who's, you know, evaluates talent and tries to be a part of raking, you know, uh, it's, it's the hardest position to rank. Um, it's so much projection goes into offensive line. Um, you know, a lot of high schools, especially in the state of Florida, where you don't have big budgets for high school football coaching staffs, a lot of kids just don't get coached, you know, very well at the offense. It's a very intricate position. You know, you can't, it, 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 sorry to any DB coaches out there at high school, but you can tell a great athlete, you know, cover that guy, give him something, 
offensive line, teaching inside zone, outside zone, blocking techniques, how to use their body, all that type of stuff is very complex. You're work, five guys have to work at a unit, right? And I think coaches, they pop on film and see someone that already has some experience, already been coached up a little bit. And if they're not half bad at it, I mean, it's gold. It's just gold. It's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, you look at, you look at Frazier's, you know, he was a solid G5 left tackle. I mean, that's, <laughs> most teams say, hey, we could plug that in. And that's what you're seeing. I mean, it, it it shouldn't be a shock to anyone. You're seeing this with offensive alignment. All right, FIU fans. So you heard it here. Definitely a busy day. One of the more foundational days in FIU athletics history. The name, if uh, David, if my memory serves correct, this is the third full-time athletic director in the history of the pro- in history of FIU athletics. Correct? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. At least, yeah, during at least football. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you, David. Uh, third full time. Wow. Shit. You can include that in there. Wow. I totally spaced. Um, yes. The third. Wow. The third full time athletic director since football has has been a thing at FIU. Wow. OK, that's that's my fault, guys. Sorry about that. We'll, we'll keep that in and leave it on the fly. You guys can get a good laugh there. Um, the third one in the 20-year history of FIU athletics football program is Scott Carr. So hope to have him on the podcast in the near future. And we will check out as far as how things continue to play with the roster attrition. Scott Carr has made, uh, made it known. Next task, head coach. Got to find one. He has a list of guys from his past that you know he, um, he it does have in mind. He did not divulge that list, but it's something that I will be definitely honing in on. And we will try to keep you guys you know as update as possible in terms of where they are with the head coaching search. So that is next. So to transition to FAU, definitely got to talk about the Owls here, Shane. A big thing. I mean, there's no two ways about it. This season is a disappointment. You and I, when we've been on this podcast and when I've been on other, you know, um, SB Nation platforms and otherwise, even for David, you know, I'm, we talked about this uh, a couple times off here, David, about your expectations for FAU and the fact that this is a resounding disappointment. So Shane, I just want to, not looking for a full season recap, but uh, we have not talked about the Middle Tennessee State game. I'll let you touch on that for a little bit, but I'm sure that'll be a perfect segue into the, in my mind, Shane, and I'm sure I, I definitely want your thoughts on this. The Middle Tennessee game was just a microcosm of the way this year was for FAU. You know, in some ways, just couldn't get a full four quarters, couldn't make the use of all the players, you know, the talent, you know, whether it's lack thereof, you, you don't have enough talent to finish. It, it's a bunch of questions, but in my mind, that Middle Tennessee State game is a microcosm of the year. So, Shane, I will let you take it away as we are. Um, State of FAU football, December 1st, 9.45 p.m. Uh, they need to add talent. That's that's where I'm at, and that's what I've been doing. They need to add talent. I think, I think this year, you know, people can kind of harp on Taggart, and obviously the fans aren't happy right now, and – I even see FIU fans getting a little, oh, man, keep that, you know, um, you know, that, that type of thing. But, you know, FAU, I think FAU's paying the piper a little bit for some of the recruiting tactics of Lane Kiffin. And just, you know, I did kind of a big review of the three classes on Alice 247 uh, the other day. And the classes were kind of resounding duds. Um, just a lot of risks were taken 
and a lot of the risk didn't pay off. Um, you know, I, I think that's, you know, I, I think, you know, this is a bigger thing. And I think, you know, administrations going forward, and this is something, you know, FIU fans need to consider, you know, when they hire this a coach, right? You know, is this, fa- is this coach making roster decisions to get him to lily pad to the next job, which, you know, if FIU hires a good coach, he will be gone in a handful of years, right? Like, you know, if FIU gets a coach where he gets to, you know, nine wins a couple times, you know, odds are say, you know, odds of college football say that, you know, it's a lily pad. But in the world of transfers and all this, and, you know, not just taking your 25 high school kids and being done with it, people need to focus on, you know, what type of players are being brought in. And if these players are, you know, the decisions on the players being brought in are made for the long-term health of the roster. And I think some decisions in the past, you know, with Lane weren't with that thought. And I think the team's kind of paying for it now. Um, I wrote about how, you know, out of, you know, that not including the transfers and Juco players they took over that time. They took 48 high school kids. 14 of them played more than 200 snaps this year. You know, a lot of them, you know, we talked about FIU's roster attrition. Um, you know, FIU hasn't had a lot of roster attrition recently. They've had a couple kids after the portal, but last year they had practically none. But they had a lot of roster attrition while Lane was here but no one really kind of paid attention. And what happens is you end up with a team that's really young in some positions. And, and that happened this year on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, I know Nikosi Perry's there, but the receiving core was just, it was very limited. Um, the running backs, you know, uh, Malcolm Davidson, he's entered the transfer portal, but you know, the last two seasons, he's just been absolutely riddled with injuries and has to be able to stay healthy. And I think it all just came to a head and, you know, uh, it, 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 you know, we could talk about the kind of the future of Taggart and stuff. If he's the right guy, people can have that debate and there's certainly merits to both arguments, but this team needs a talent injection. And, you know, I, I could, you know, Eric watched pretty much FAU, every FAU game and I could watch this. It's, they're not that far away. You know, this is a team that's a couple drop passes away from Marshall and a couple sloppy plays. And, you know, Eric, you watch FAU, how much of it's just self-inflicted and they just need kind of an injection. So it's it's a two-part answer for me, right? Because I don't necessarily know, and this is where I I do lean on guys like you and Kevin Fielder and others, excuse me, is I wonder, is it a need of a talent infusion or is it a combination of getting, making the most of the guys on the roster? And again, I don't necessarily think this is an indictment on Willie Taggart, right? I just think, because I've said this to many FAU fans, it's a, you doesn't matter the fan base. I, I would say this now to FIU's fan base as they're going through a coaching transition, Shane. When you have a new coach comes in, you're going to have certain guys who may have been, you know, premier players or, or foundational players in their previous administration who aren't that now. That's just, uh, it's a it's a product of, you know, any workplace environment right now to the second part of it. When you asked me, um, as, and I, and yes, I did have a chance. I, I think the only two games I did not watch in full were, um, I believe Charlotte, I haven't seen in full and I didn't watch Georgia Southern in full, but I've watched pretty much every other FU given full. 
absolutely it's just a matter of a misplay here, a misplay there. But, and again, is that a byproduct of guys just not executing? Or is that a byproduct of, you know, hey, we've talked about on this podcast, Shane, defensively, are, are guys thinking too much? Offensively, is, this, is, is things a little too complicated? These are all things that I think, in my mind, and I think you made an excellent point on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to give you this point right here. I see fans talking about Willie Taggart. As you mentioned, we can get into that. If, if for something, some reason something happens with Willie Taggart, we can get into that. But I do believe, and I agree with you, Shane, you got to give a coach three years. But in, in a previous you know, lifetime or, or you know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe it was four years. Now I think you can give a coach three years to kind of get an idea of what can he do with the talent on the roster and also does that give enough time to kind of reshape the roster in his own image. Now I'm going to toss it back to you in this. So again, to kind of answer your question, I, I agree on the aspect of this were some plays here that can definitely change ball games. I'm not sure how much I, I know if it's a talent infusion because listen, Shane, maybe it's me being a little bit stubborn. I'm going to defer to you here because you know this roster in and out. Uh, you know, it's kind of the same way as I know FIU's roster. There are some guys, and I'll for, toss this to you in the form of a question, who were playmakers under Lane Kiffin, who seemingly were not under Willie Taggart. So I'm going to do it like this in the form of a question, Shane. Two part. One, um, what was your biggest disappointment overall, just as someone who covers this team? And two, do you believe that Willie Taggart got the most out of this roster that seemingly there were some guys in the previous administration who played bigger roles. Uh, I, here's my question. I'm going to kind of throw it back on you. Sure. Sure. Who, who are those playmakers? I, I think I, would, I know the, but I've just, I, there's a very simple answer to those two guys. Right. No. I mean, in my mind, the two guys that come to mind are Malcolm Davidson I'm on Ross. And I mean, if you kind of want to throw, you know, Kiki obviously missed last year and he got back in there with someone in the swing of things. I've seen some people make the case for Chase Lasseter. Chase Lasseter is more of a byproduct of last year than anything else. But um, I would say I'm on Ross, uh, Malcolm Davidson would be the first who come to mind and then, you know, make it throw a Willie right in there who kind of hadn't been a, a, a factor in the roster for a couple of years. But those would be the guys. Yeah. So, I mean, Two of the so two of the available. Willie Wright really has kind of regressed throughout his career. He had his big freshman year, and actually, what's funny is a lot of people point to the hit Willie Wright took in 2018 against FIU. Uh, yeah, it literally there is his career before and after that were two very different things. Um, you know, um, you know there was even a quote later in the late I think in 2019 to reporter asked Lane about Willie Wright and his like a plane. He said, when's the last time you saw him make a play? So that, you know, so that, that, that's the issue go back to Lane. Sure. Malcolm, Davidson, you know, it's just the old Bill Parcells quote, man. It's your, your, your best ability is your availability. And, you know, Malcolm Davidson is just in similar. Right, so I just heard Larry Cameron falls under this role. How you feeling, man? Uh, uh, and Larry McCann's uh, so, uh, 17 games. I think that was last just to copy, 36 or something like that. I, I can't remember the exact number, but that, yeah, rearrange it to you know, and, and then it's not even sometimes the games you miss. Yes, it's also yes, you have okay. you're trying to you're trying to play with yeah, just the, injuries just as well, right? And I, I just think some of you without getting too much and putting out too much of their medical stuff. 
sometimes guys just get injuries in their careers and they're just never the same after it. And I think All right, so that's just kind of bad luck. I mean, that Owls happens, definitely right? Have a full slate of um, Amon Ross is a little different Owls, one. And again, you know, um, FAU, you know he, he's kind of a player up. that, talk Scott Carr, the third, you know, he's not uh, a 6'2", 190-pound corner that, athletics in terms of since the that history of would football, play on uh, any team in the country and so you'd have a spot. We are going football being He's a very cleaner linebacker. I covered the press conference and I was guy and not every system is going to be a fit for him. And that's just the reality. And I think you didn't, in what his position was this year, what you lost in kind of Amon Ross, you gained in Correll Smith, right? Correll Smith had the best season of his career. So I think it should be pointed out how well Correll kind of played where Ross kind of wasn't, I guess, the best way. So I don't really see that as a loss. Chase Lasseter, yeah, he had a good season in 2020. Um, on the inside, they kind of had an overage of inside linebackers with Kiki coming back this year, who, who played better down the stretch. You know, Kiki missed a year, and by the time he got going, he he was solid inside. You know, but I don't think it was ever had enough going to return to 2019 form. But um, you know, last year I got asked to do something different, and he just wasn't productive at it. And you know, but the whole point is you went through that and you said players that are productive, you know, I, two of those guys are really, truly productive under Lane. You know, I, I would just say, I would say Kiki and Malcolm were the two guys really only, you know, last year, the first three years of his career at FAU, he was actually you know, battled a lot of injuries. He, he didn't restart a game till 2020. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, there's too many players, you know, the only offensive high school player that Lane Kiffin recruited that started for FAU this year, multiple games was Marquise Robinson, the left tackle. So, you know, I know a lot of people have in their head that FAU is like this portion, you know, I think I overestimated the talent and, you know, um, but it just, it just didn't pan out and they just need an infusion, but you know, FAU has, all the tools to go get a lot of players. They will, you know what I mean? They could target sure. at this time. And, you know, the roster at this point, you know, has about 60 players that are considered red shirt, freshman, freshman, or first year freshman. Right. And a lot of teams are in that situation at COVID. So it, it's just more of a young team than we kind of perceived. And I, and I think we kind of missed that. Shane, I do want to ask you one more question. Again, we're going to talk a lot about FAU this offseason. I know I personally would like to do a very deep dive into FAU. One of the things I think I may have mentioned in the previous podcast is I'm in the process of just trying to measure up how much production from players who are on this roster this year um, uh, was, you know, essentially missing from the Lane Kiffin era. And I hope to have, you know, maybe better um, have some statistical analysis of understanding, okay, like this is, a, a definitive answer as to how much statistical production, um, you know, from again, as Shane mentioned, it, it's only really a, a certain amount of guys uh, that they didn't get. But nevertheless, Shane, I do want to ask you this last question for transition to FIU. You talked about the youth on this roster. Did you see enough from the true freshman, redshirt freshman, or third year freshman, of course, the COVID year, that leads you to believe that? next year you can see a significant jump in the win column 
Yeah. Like, again, you know, we talked about this. They just need to, you know, they, they correct a few things. They have three more wins, right? Um, it, it, catching balls, right? It's just something we've taught. We've beat over the head. Uh, yes, they did start to play a few of the younger. Well, first of all, let's just look at their whole front seven. I mean, Evan Anderson still considered a, considered a true freshman. Absolutely. I mean, he, he, I don't know how much of that Middle Tennessee game you watched, Eric, but he gets better by the week. It's it's almost kind of ridiculous. I mean, he was he played the best game of his career, and he's had a few of those. I feel like I say that every week. It's that the fact that he could be stick around for four more, three more years after this one is is kind of gross. <laughs> like it's it's, a, it's unfair. They you know, and they had a lot of young defensive ninety seven Jaden Wheeler. You know, I'm just I'm saying numbers because you know Eric might know him from watching. He he's a kid who's a true freshman played in multiple games, played well. I mean, FAU's run defense was good this year. They, the, the defensive line didn't have a true edge to get off, but they stuffed the run. For the most part, they were physically dominating Middle Tennessee up front, correct? I mean, is that a fair statement? Shane, um, I was going to say, um, I, the majority of the game I had a chance to watch was in the second half because, of course, I was driving home from uh, um, Southern Miss, almost at Middle Tennessee. Evan Anderson, especially in the second half, I know, you know, the – Middle Tennessee gave up the point. I, excuse me. Um, FAU gave the the twenty four unanswered, twenty whatever, twenty one whatever was unanswered. But Evan Anderson in the second half was a playmaker, and I, so I couldn't agree with yeah, you more. Same I, thing I with, think some of those points, FAU's defense just got worn out. I mean, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's not in, in, in driving out over five drives. That you know, you start to notice the second half, the tackling wasn't as good, and you know the the it's it, it. I also think there's a mental. You know, when your offense isn't playing well and you're constantly going back out there, the guys, I don't care who you are defensively, you start to get discouraged, right? Like that is just natural. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the front seven, Decarious Hawthorne, you know, uh, second year true freshman, played great this season. Chris Jones in his new position with his new weight started to come back on. I think in the second half of the year was playing better. Uh, early in the year, you saw true freshman Courtney McBride who's going to be a future, you know, Leighton McCarthy picked up a couple sacks was really starting to come on broke his hip, you know, in the, um, against UAV. And so the heavy was a lot of guys in that front seven and they will add to it in the portal with some veteran. Um, but I mean, if you look at the young players and then also at the end of the year, you started seeing Jamal and dream come on. They started the true freshman quarter, Jaden William. He made a couple of really nice plays. So, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of young talent. That's it, very intriguing there. Alex Dick Savage, another, one of those second one, years. Yes, yes. Um, he, he played, they rotated him at right. He started against Western Kentucky, played really well um, for his first start. Everything you could ask out for a start. Did some nice things against Middle Tennessee. Um, so, yeah, like you're starting to see the young players, and, it's, and a lot of these guys are the high school guys that, you saw that were so successful that made FAU what it was when Charlie Partridge recruited him. You know what I mean? And, you know, they became a bunch of stars in the conference. So you're starting to see that a little bit at the end of the season with FAU. All right. So you've heard Shane's thoughts on the Owls. Definitely have a full slate, a full offseason ahead for the Owls. And again, you know, FAU, big offseason coming up. We've talked Scott Carr, the third uh, full-time athletic director in the history of FIU athletics in terms of since the 20-year history of football uh, being a thing. So 
we are going football being existence football being a thing what is going on with me nowadays it's a long day sorry i I covered the press conference and i'm just all over the place but nevertheless going to toss to the interview with tony capobianco we are joined by our special guest again he penned that piece for at five reason sports definitely recommend that you take a look at it mr tony bianco tony he is a sports and wire page designer for the cs gazette colorado state he's also pens for colorado state football the denver gazette tony how's it going tonight my man fantastic well, it's colorado springs gazette so it's like right uh, a little bit south of denver there there we go colorado springs Gazette. i want to make sure i get the publication right appreciate you making the time uh really the floor is yours as i, I mentioned you know i have some uh FIU fans definitely pushed back as they do. And I've, I've noted that FIU might not have the largest fan base, but the, the ones that are there are certainly passionate and they, they made their feelings known. So we did want to allow you this time uh, to, you know, kind of stage your case. So the floor is yours. Take it away, sir. Uh, before we get to uh, five reasons why FIU fans want to kick my ass, let's start with um, when the website started, I was from all the FIU content was done by me. I covered them back in 2019. I was there when they beat Miami and I still root for them for this day. Like I'm not, I'm not advocating for them to shut the program down. But when I heard like Bush Davis's comments and saying like how everything, the equipment is old, they don't recruit up. They're not just told not to recruit because of financial reasons. So like the conferences are changing. They're looking like they're being left out. This feels like this stuff. You can't half-ass college football, especially the FBS levels. You have to decide whether or not this is truly worth it. Yeah, so I'm not. So my column was not meant to say, "Yeah, just close up shop and just move on to some some other sports." But just like, all right, if you're going to hire a new AD or hire a new coach, are you going to set them up to succeed, or at least to try to succeed, or are you just going to be lackadaisical about it because? In their level of college football, there are glass ceilings, and you have to be about about it for real if you're going to break that ceiling, or at least try to. And from what I've seen or heard, it doesn't really look that way. Raise the torch. Yeah, so um, listen, I get, I, I get where you're coming from, right? I, you know, people saw the Butch comments, and everyone kind of jumped. It was a hot topic for a while. Um, you know, that day it was like trending and stuff. However, this is this was my biggest issue, and I, I kind of speak also just like kind of how the FIU fan took. And it's not, by the way, it's not only your article, right? Because your article actually came like right after, too. The Herald also published something similar. And so it's just this tired take that, that FIU fans are so used to hearing because FIU is already not covered as they should be uh, in the city. It's very, you know, we don't get the exposure that obviously the university of Miami or even honestly, any other college would in their own town. We don't get that. Right. It seems that every article written about us by, you know, the Herald or, or you know, someone who's not really connected to FIU is, it's almost always like pinning us down and making us look bad. And granted the Butch comments. Yes. in the, in the AD stuff, the AD, honestly, everyone, if you listen to this pod, Everyone knows my thoughts on P. Garcia, the worst, most incompetent AD in the history of, of, the, of the NCAA. However, when, 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 a fan, when fans go on Twitter and see all these articles about how um, you know, FIU should drop football, how FIU should focus on soccer instead of football, and how FIU football um, is completely 
out the out of the the drain and and has no chance of succeeding. Like when you see that so often, and, and there's no other side to it because of the coverage that that the school gets. It just it's it's one it's, it's annoying and two it just it, it becomes a tired take because it's like okay they said the same thing when Cristobal left right Cristobal leaves the year after where I don't even think we win a game and these articles were written ad nauseum you know th- two years later we land Butch we go to three bowl games and and you know we upset mm-hmm. the University of Miami so it seems like it's almost like a recurring cycle at this point and and, and people forget listen these these. It's really a season and a half because the last season was only five games for us. We, we're a season and a half away from being a, bowl, a, a, a team that just made it to three straight bowl games and upset a P5 opponent, right? So when you see just the headline of, is it time for FIU to drop football? It's automatically going to get some, like the FIU fan upset, rightfully so, because that's all they see. And so the second thing is not that it really pertains to you because like people, you know, people didn't know that you had covered FIU in 2019. And personally, I didn't know that until I saw one of your replies um, and you tweeted about it. And it, it seems that everybody else who writes these articles has a tie to the University of Miami, right? The Miami Herald writer is a UN professor. Like, it just seems like they're like everybody who writes something negative about us has some sort of tie to the University of Miami because it's just like, they just want us to stay where we are, right? It, it feels it, like we're Yeah, exactly. And and so that's the feeling that FIU fans ultimately feel because it like th- while you'll see three articles about is it time for FIU to drop football, you won't see the article that says how FIU bounces back from this. And so I think that's like, and that's not even just a you thing. That's like a, that's a lack of coverage mm-hmm. by the Herald by you know, like all these channels, like seven, four, whatever, they're all going to only run. The only time they'll ever talk about us is when Butch, you know, kind of bashes us. Right. So I think it's also just a, uh, an issue with just the way FIU is covered is why articles like these really strike a nerve um, with FIU fans. It's like, come on, like every single time, like we are trying to get beaten down by somebody who, you know, happens to always usually have a tie to the university of Miami. So that's that's why the reaction was like the way it was, um, and so you know that's that's just that's pretty much the reality of it. Um, and so that's probably like I don't know if you were shocked or not. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, <laughs> I guess my bad. I don't know if you were shocked by the responses uh, because uh, there was obviously a good amount. As Eric said, you know we're not a huge community, but we um, you know it's a small group, but we're, we are. We are very loud on social media, so I don't know if you were shocked by it, but that's kind of the reasoning why you got that reaction is is because um oh and and another thing is is that like people saw the five reason sports article right and and so they were were reaching out to me and and wondering like why weren't you know me or Eric like asked to quote something or like asked to like turn our perspective because we obviously are very close to the program. And same with the Herald, like someone like Walter Vila wasn't even asked for anything. And so it just seems like they're not, they don't, not everyone tries to like get the other side. Um, so that's just pretty much like why, you know, you probably, you got the reaction that uh, you did. So I just wanted to, to, to say that that was my piece. <laughs> well, from the response, to, to clarify, it was a column. I wasn't reporting on anything. But it was kind of funny when like, I was being like, smoked out like 
if he had any guts, he'll tell us who his real connections are. He's really galoots with the University of Coral Gable, that bastard. And it's true. My father works at the University of Miami. My, my brother and sister go there. I went to, to the University of Arizona. I'm taking graduate courses at the University of Alabama. And I live in uh, Colorado right now, uh, writing about Colorado State and pulling for the Air Force Academy. So I'm, I take this from a more like objective, like pretty much like both outside and inside perspective. Where, like I'm not like rooting for a specific program to fail. Like if, if Bush Davis just left because of two bad years and a lot of like, like talent loss, I don't think I'd ever write the column. I think once you say that you can't even afford to recruit on the road and that you're using hand-me-downs in the FBS, I think that right there is like, well, okay, if you compile this to this is the first time that between FIU and FAU, two programs that started almost at the same time, one of those moving up in a different conference and you're stuck here. And now you got to go, you can't afford to recruit on the road, but now you got to go, you're going to end up having to go to Las Cruces for a game and UTEP for a game and Charlotte. And you're traveling like all over the place. There's no geographical rival that you can now like go to quite often. Like this is going to be more expensive. And yeah, maybe you're, you, you pull some, some strings, you get a good talent roster and you can make something happen, but is it worth it? And I probably should have wrote that as the headline and say, Hey, time to shut this down. Like, are you, do you, do you really, the, really the, the genesis of my column was, do you really want to do this? Because they're not the only program to contemplate this. Like if Idaho was in a similar situation, I, I put them in my column because they at least got to like go back a, a level and be within their geographical area and, be, and still make things work. Like UMass, for example, they tried to like make the FBS. It didn't work out well. And they even thought, you know what? Maybe we should like uh, close up shop because what's the point of, me, of us being an FBS independent, getting our ass kicked everywhere? Like, it's, it's more about yeah, that but- to say, oh the, oh, the team's bad. Like if, that, if, if that's all it took, I'd be with my own, my own motto would be a football team right now. But that's what I'm saying. So one, I like you kind of agree that the headline was a bit misleading because I did read the article as well. And, and I, I, I do get some of your points. However, it's just like, it failed to recognize that there's more to this, like this story. And, and, and P Garcia is, is to blame for the most part, as well as, you know, partially Mark, Mark does, Mark Rosenberg, the president does obviously deserve his fair share. But a lot of the things that Butch had mentioned has already been semi debunked. And Eric, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I know we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, but you know, the shoulder pad thing was a thing that something that most people ran with um, immediately to kind of, Oh, wow. Like these guys don't, don't even practice like play with a real pad. That was something that ha- that happened, right? You know, that was something that shouldn't have gone to that point, but it happened. At Butch's first year. That's not. That hasn't been a thing for 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 multiple years now, right? But it's just the framing that it, that it seems that that all these issues are still happening. It's kind of like misleading by by Butch, and but everyone just ran with it without getting different opinions from people, and then it just it it just seems like everyone's just bashing on them for for things that that you know, have slowly changed and have the opportunity to change because now we're going to be pretty much doing a complete reboot with an AD who's 
pretty much almost ran it into the ground. But we never see that side of how FIU could, you know, rebound from this, how FIU could, you know, change the culture, how FIU can, can do this. But it's always how FIU needs to, needs to stop playing football, how FIU needs to stop doing this, how FIU doesn't care. Like it, it just, but it, you, like I haven't seen the opinion, like no one's reached out to people at FIU. And I know you're just a con, but I'm saying just in general, like people, people are, are, are almost just sick of, of just everyone just bashing us all the time instead of like trying to see the other side of it. Um, and I think it's just an, once again, it's an overall thing. It's an overall like, like viewpoint is why people, like why the FIU community gets mad is, is the, the way I'm trying to like explain it here. Well, and you guys say you're in a small community, but you're the biggest uh, school in the city. Like you're the only. That's public. what I'm saying. Exactly. And, like, and, and I agree. And, and, and we have the, the money guy over. It doesn't mean you can't like support your team by yourself. Like I, I've been to plenty of games. I covered them in 2013. I've been there in 18 and 19 and I would, and if I didn't move to Missouri, I would have been there in 20. And I I'd never seen the stadium at least close to half full. It's also the only stadium I've been to where the press box is an outdoor tent. So like that's that's part of like my thinking. Like who's who's supporting this program? Because if it's not the administration and it's not the fan base that often, I mean, we would you took this to Marlins Park. That place was a Miami like home game practically with like. FIU fans there. Like, if you, who's really supporting this program? And even if like half of Bush, well, if half of like what Bush Davis says is nonsense, because I found out pretty recently after 2019 that that guy was just making shit up when it comes to the injuries. That back against Miami, like if we took half that stuff and said, yeah, he's not, that's not truthful. But still, like, is this a? Can you solve this by just saying, hey, let's get more Miami players. Let's actually put money in the equipment. Let's maybe refurbish the stadium. Let's do that stuff. Like, is that an AD thing? Is that a new president thing? Is that a board of trustees thing? Like, who's the one with the motivation to do that? Well, it is because FIU, it, it came out already that we had, we actually had the highest budget. We had a higher budget in CUSA than FAU, than all these, these schools that, you know, are performing at a, at a higher level than us, right? So it, it comes back to the incompetence of how we spent that money. But, the support is there, and I know they're going to put more into it. Now, but the thing is, another thing is these articles just, you know, we're trying to build something. And, and I know, once again, the fan base isn't as big, you know, as, as most schools. But when, when, when you're just the fan base is big enough to fill the stadium. Like, it's not like you guys are like five people in a, in a flag bearer. Like, come on. It's, you're not, I feel like you're selling yourself short there. No, no, I know. But I, listen, you can go to a game, and you, you, it's going to be the same crew that's going to be there right you know the guys that are vocal and you know the guy like the support the crew that like the, the core fan base is there but when the, the the casual fan the casual student every time they turn to twitter or they turn to any article it's always something bashing fiu and, and granted i'm not saying that that there shouldn't be any any articles that are doing that but there's never another side and, and, and back to the 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 um, how we can grow is that the, the, the funding can be there, right? We're, as you mentioned, we're one of the biggest schools in the nation. We, ha- we already have more funding than most other conference USA schools. We just, I guess, the AD just didn't know how to use that budget or who God knows where that budget went because we had the highest budget. We had the money. We had, we had the resources that we could have given. I don't know where that went, but I think what, what this is going to do, and this is, 
you know, a dream scenario is that, that as much as it sucks, what Butch put out there and what, what everyone's reacting to, you're hoping that it sparks something in the administration with the president, the board of trustees to actually like be like, Hey, like let's actually invest, you know, our attention and, and more into athletics and, and be more on top of it to know, you know, to, you know, like you said, the press box, but like that, that it, it the, I think the investment is coming, but we never see that side of it. And it's just, everything is just always so negative with us and every, and, and it's just like the casual fan is, is always like, I, I had a bunch of people that, that aren't really huge football fans send me like a bunch of different articles and stuff and be like, like, wow, like this is, this is sad and disgusting. Like they just don't know the full story, which most of it, you know, granted is not great. I, I know the issues that happen, but we just never see the other side. Well, the other side is, hey, if I just get a new AD that actually knows how to use the budget, things will change. Good. Well, I'm we hoping that's, 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 that's the dream. <laughs> that's the dream, right? Miami. Like there should have been like some, some more improvement right there. Like the momentum was there for you guys after that season, but. Oh, I, I agree with you there. I, I completely agree. I think they botched the momentum thing. And I've been saying that on this pod for multiple years. We find a way to botch momentum. Um, like, you know, it's our, it's our job. Um, I, I, and I agree with you there. Um, so, yeah. But I, I like think what, it, like, I what think is, it just what has the opportunity you really to have change. Is like, so, football, right? Because I've been to basketball games there, too. Like, there's only a few arenas in Division One that I've seen that is just as small as, as that place. And some of them are in New England because they're more hockey school. So, like, your baseball program is really good. The soccer program is good. But no one really cares about men's soccer enough to, like, actually do something about it. So, it's football. So, if you can actually be uh, – like if you want to be, like, the legit program that can take advantage of – yeah, so let's say the, the recruiting thing is not that big of a deal, trying to go to Mississippi or North Carolina. You can just be a program that's exclusively South Florida – and maybe make stuff happen, but is that going to, is it, can an AD really solve all that? That's basically what I'm asking. Can a fan base actually solve all that by, by putting more uh, support? Because I feel like, I remember when FIU used to be like a commuter school and now there's dorms there and everyone, a lot of people that go there are from there. Like, it's not that hard to just go and support your team if you care about them enough. No, I mean, so I'm gonna, everything you said, I, I agree with we need it's not only a football thing it's it's a it's an all like I, I was at the soccer playoff game the other day it was absolutely slammed but the place doesn't look like a, a d1 schools arena right but the, it, it goes into the further conversation of um you know what has the athletic department been doing with this budget and i think that's more of a conversation than um you know because like even the herald one was like drop football and put all the football budget into like soccer. But like, it, it's just like, like, I think it's, it's not a, a black and white answer. Like, yes, like a, the, we get a new AD. We're going to flip this around automatically. No, but it, it starts with the AD who's able to, you know, even, even little things like, like Pete didn't have a, a social media account, right? You see all these schools like FAU, for example, who's active on Twitter, who's active with alumni, who loves interacting with alumni, goes to tailgates, gets people excited. We didn't have that, but I think that's an opportunity for the next guy. And I think that's an opportunity that we can grow on because, because it, 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 we have people there. You go to, you go to the games and I know, you know, I guess pre co cause last year was kind of a wash and you know, this year, you know, whatever, but like you can go to the games and, and you'll see the tailgate lot is packed. They just don't, the students just don't go in. Right. But if you get 
that you bi- start building the excitement. You start, you can start doing things like, um, you know, the, the, the games that, that the student, most students show up to are games that, you know, you come and you can get, you know, paws up t-shirts or like things like that. Little things like that are things that hopefully a new athletic director can come in and implement and actually want to interact with students, interact with, with um, you know, programs on campus and just to start building that. Cause once you start building that foundation, you hopefully the goal is to build people who are actually invested and, you know, and with that comes, you know, granted, obviously the results in the field, that's a uh, coaching, a player's thing, but the outside of getting more fans of the game, uh, getting, you know, b- raising more money for the facilities that starts with interacting and, and just investing more time into the athletics department because FIU's done amazing things with academics, right? Like, like you can see our medical school, our law school, they're all growing because everybody, they're investing their time, you know, rightfully so into that. But it, it almost seems sometimes that they're, they're putting athletics on the back burner. But that doesn't mean necessarily that we should drop athletics. That means we just have to give more into athletics and actually turn the page into like, hey, athletics is very important for a university to grow. So actually, you know, caring and showing that support, I think it's, it, I'm hoping that this, you know, this little time period that we're in is going to, you know, push that to move forward but um i mean that's almost just like that's it's the hopeful thinking um and i think that that's more of a conversation than just of it's just time to you know back just kind of relate back to all all the different articles that everyone is like it's 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 different than just dropping the athletics it's, it's about building trying to build something and different ways that we can try to do that yeah by the way the herald uh saying that you guys should drop football for soccer and i think it's ridiculous and I know, I know we're in this like this this fractured media market where we're like we have three papers within an hour from each other and only and not even and two of them don't even cover like say the Marlins full time or the Panthers full time, but there's no excuse for the Herald to not have a guy cover the FIU more often. Hell, it could be the high school guy too. Like it could be anybody. Like, but I I. I like FIU. I've seen I've seen the potential there. Like it's a nice campus. There's some good facilities. There's, I mean, athletically it's it feels bare bones, but there's still there's still ways to like to improve. And I just don't understand. And I get and if it's it's not results, like college football is cyclical. You can have a great season with all your seniors and then just drop off the next uh, next year and then try to like build it all back it'll take time like especially the group of five there's like very little uh examples of programs that just stay good forever and as they do they move on to other the other conferences but i feel like this right here this moment is where fiu's got to realize there's no reason why fau for example is richer like how how is fau a bigger program now than FIU. How come they're the ones with the big stadium and not FIU? How come they're the ones that can get a bowl game and not FIU? How come they have more, they, they're better in baseball and they play in, in like a backyard in like a back, like a high, not even a high school field, essentially. Like how come they're doing this and not FIU? And if the answer is want to, then I know I I came off as an asshole right with the column I wrote, but it's not up to me to say they should do this. And I don't think it's even up to the fans at this point, or it could be. It's, it's got to be up to who hires the people in charge of decisions, not the Pete Garcia's of the world, but the guy who hires them. 
So I'll jump in and say this really quickly, David, <clears throat> if you don't mind. Um, you know, a lot of things we'll touch on, and I'll, I'll probably try to, you know, once we let Tony off the line, kind of uh, touch a couple things here or there. I This is all I'll say. Um, in terms of where I can understand FIU fans' frustration is this, and you guys touch on a lot, right? In terms of local coverage, and for those who may not know, I write for SB Nation. It's a college, well, the, my outlet, Underdog Dynasty, is a college football website, right? So we, we, we're devoted to college football. So we have, we put resources into covering college football. Um, it's not the local market. And I understand the frustration. And I do understand FIU fans' frustration when Tony really was just kind of catching, in my opinion, he caught the shrapnel of the rest of the frustration with the article that was written by Michelle Kaufman and others, where to David's point, and I think it's very fair. The Herald has Walter Villa, who was a beat writer and he's, I, I don't know Walter's status. I don't want to speak for him. At last check, he was not full-time, but I don't want to speak for him now. Um, the point is when the local paper doesn't mention or, or doesn't, you know, the columnist isn't coming out to write a FIU is doing great when they won 17 games in two, two years. The columnist seems to only recognize, and I think Michelle Coffin might not have made columns. I think she's still a, a, a beat writer herself. But the, the opinion pieces come out, as was Tony's, but for the record, that was an opinion column. Um, they tend to come out when it's the negative. And I can absolutely understand David's point. Donovan Campbell from a, a WSVN7, I never saw Donovan at a game this year. He was at the North Texas game, and that was to ask questions regarding Butch Davis's comments. So I can understand that frustration. This is all I'll say. And, you know, I don't know if any of you guys have anything after this, but this is just my two cents because, like, you know, I try to stay a pining, out of, away from a pining from the situation. But it's as simple as this. I don't think any of these conversations about should FIU drop football happen if the team isn't 1-18 in the last 19 games. These things come out, and I can understand the frustration when Butch Davis, you know, didn't have these complaints with administration uh, or maybe he did, you know, in terms of the finances, I can say Bush Davis has had frustration for a while. But in terms of the things coming out, they're coming out now at a point where the team is one and nine, one and ten. If they're still qualifying for bowl games, which they have qualified for bowl games at the same rate as, as Florida Atlantic. The reason FEU has, has a bowl game there is because they've made the decision that they're going to invest in a stadium. One that FIU, I told a high ranking official told me, is not willing to go into debt to, you know, do certain things athletically. We'll see if that changes. Um, but that's the investment. That's the investment that UCF has made in others. But I, again, I, I understand both sides. And, I, and I, again, I respect Tony and appreciate Tony for coming on and, and defending his opinion piece, which, again, uh, it was not reporting. So for those of people who said, you know, it, how many games has Tony covered since 19? Those who didn't know he covered games in 19, but how many games he covered this year and whatnot, it, it, it's an opinion piece, right? It, he doesn't necessarily have to cover uh, games to have that opinion piece. Um, but my thing is this. Again, I understand the frustration when, you're not getting these you're not getting the same attention and rush of opinions when the team is eight wins and nine wins and qualifying for three bowl games in four years. You know, Chris Vanini, I think is memory source me correct from the athletic is the only national writer who's come out. And I guess technically I'm considered a national writer, but you guys know what I mean. Um, is the only national writer to come out and cover FIU when there was success. But when, you know, it looks like all bleep is in the fan, Everyone, and their mother is looking to jump on board. So I, I, I'll just leave it at that. On a couple of things after. So uh, one more time, I'll open it up. Tony, David, uh, Tony, I'll go first. Anything else you want to add? Or I mean, outside of like, I'm still rooting for FIU to actually turn this around because I remember when I first followed FIU, it was like 
I think 2019, uh, no, 2019, 2010 or 2009 was like, I noticed that they were the only like group of five team to actually host power five opponents. And they had a bunch of South Florida kids. I actually, I, I've been following this team and rooting for them for a long time. I want them to do well. I feel like there's, there's potential, but without the want to from both the, from the students, from the fans and the administration, then I, that's, that what, that's what led me to write what I write. Like, I don't believe that the FIU fan base is just Billy Gill and Tim Dukes. Like, just, there's more of you guys. There's got to be more from more support from your end. There's got to be more support or motivation from the administration end. I'm also a Marlins fan, and I feel the same way about them. There's got to be if you want to prove that you're worth giving a shit about, you have to show up and support, and then good things will happen. But if not, I'll let you find for something yeah. else. Yeah, just to piggyback. Listen, Tony, I, I do appreciate you coming on. Um, so first off, thank you for that. And I agree. And I think we agree on the same thing, right? The, the invest, we, we both want to see the investment there. We want to see, you know, the, the school invest in athletics. And we want to see the football program grow. So I, we're, we're on the same page there. So that's, that's my hope. We bring in a new AD. We invest more. You know, not only into football, into all the other sports, because we have so many different opportunities. Soccer, for example, you know, we were just in the tournament. Very good team. Our basketball, our basketball team's on a five-game win streak. We're five and one. Like, we have the opportunity there. We just need the support from not only, you know, the FIU fans who are, who've been there since the beginning, because the ones that are the FIU fans, we're, we're a tight group. Um, you know, we're looking, you know, to, to just help grow the, this entire athletics program. And, and, and it starts with the administration investing. It's not only it's, it's money, but it, it's time and, and resources to like build on this, getting students out there and all that. So uh, we definitely agree there. And, and, you know, hopefully once the season's over, you know, we're going to get more information on who the new AD is and, and you know, hopefully he, he, he's, he's all in. So that, that's, that's all I'm looking for. All right, I'll Mike. leave with one more uh, one more story. I just recently but, went on a trip to Philadelphia. I went to high school there, and I went to a St. Joseph basketball game. It's a small arena. I had to pay thirty bucks to get in because I wanted to see an old a fellow alum play. But it was a very like it was seventy five percent filled, and they were all alums. You can just build a program just to satisfy your alumni base and still be successful. You don't have to just you don't have to go for the world. That's not where we're. It's not the world or nothing. It's you could just build for your alumni, and, that's, and that could be good enough. But that's for whoever uh, takes control next. Yeah. By, by the All way, right. I, I do want to uh, I do want to mention sorry, one more thing. I mean, no, it's go for funny. it. David. I mean, obviously the, the arenas are like the basketball arena and the soccer stadium are smaller than the football stadium. But we've we've seen that support there, which is good, right? Like the soccer game I went to, the entire pa- stands were packed. Everyone was like standing along defense it was you know it was a sight to see honestly you know, it, it, it just made me happy like let's go we're, we're building that support so I agree I, I think you know getting more alumni to just come back after school and just support these teams is is something I, I'm hoping for and it's it, it, you know and hopefully it, it's going to start soon because uh, I, I see it little by little and, and even just like from the stories I heard of when my dad went there like you would never see anybody walking on campus with uh an FIU shirt, you'd see Gators, Miami, FSU. But now you're just seeing more and more students like investing 
you know, they're all repping FIU. They're all invested going to more, you know, not only sporting events, but different events on campus. So you're hoping that builds on to when they become alumni, they want to come back. So um, that, that's, I agree. That's, that's a huge, that would be a huge thing. Just, just build, we're, we're, we're too big to not have a, 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 you know, a passionate fan base. There we go. You had it there. And we, again, appreciate the man himself. Again, I want to make sure I run down uh, all the things here. And of course I, uh, I lost it. So uh, Tony, I'm going to have you go ahead and run it down. Where can they find you on Twitter and where can they find your work, sir? Uh, my Twitter is uh, Tony M Capo and my Instagram is Tony hyphen Capo Bianco. I'm over an Instagram guy. I shoot a lot of sports wherever I am. I still am uh, MLB photographer. So that's where I'm like, I thrive the most. So if you like good photos, follow me there. And Maybe I'll write another column on uh, on five reasons sports to piss off a fan base. That's what I got. That's what I have to do to get on a podcast for this this group. I have to piss the hell. You, now you, I I'm expecting your next article to be a to be an FIU fluff piece. <laughs> no, instead I'm, I'm gonna attack you. I'm gonna like I'm gonna smoke out Mike Ryan if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> that's the man himself, Tony Capobianco. Appreciate you had you jumping on with us, man. Thank you. Uh, love you guys. All right. Like I said, appreciate Tony Capobianco for coming on with us. Uh, I just have to do my my journalistic duty here. A couple things. One, um, as David mentioned last week, the situation with the pads, this is is what it is. And I can understand how at the time that Tony wrote the article, it, it could come off. Excuse me. Tony wrote his opinion piece. I want to emphasize that. It could come off as if it was saying that FIU are currently using hand-me-down pads, right? And I can tell you as someone who as the FIU beat writer of record for SB Nation, who gets you know hit up by fans all across the college ball space, that's what they took from it, right? Like it's it's the unfortunate dealism, right? You, you you get the first part, but then whether it's the revision or something that you have to you know try and clean up, or, or you know something you have to try and, and add, no one ever sees that. Brett McMurphy said that freshmen at the time of Butch Davis's arrival weren't getting new pads. That is now since changed. So that is the situation. FIU are not running players out there right now in pads that are a dozen years old, which is right now, that's that's what, what people are thinking, right? So this, you can't take that back. It is what it is. Um, David, this is, would be my pushback to Tony. And again, I want to leave it to you guys to kind of take that up, but this would be my pushback. Um, I Listen, I do think it is fair. Both things can be true. The damn school is 60,000 kids. There are, I can, as someone who's a graduate of UCF, you should see more fans. But with that being said, the school in Coral Gables has the same issue drawing stupid people. And, and, and guess what, David? They've had a hell of a lot more success uh, and a lot, and they've been around as a football program a lot longer than FIU has. So let's not, you know, just say, oh, just because University of Miami puts 30-something thousand people in Hard Rock Stadium that they shouldn't receive criticism for. And, and you know, I don't want to hear about the fact that this, this, the stadium is in Fort Lauderdale. Again, Miami has a fan base that stretches from West Palm Beach all the way down to Homestead, and they ain't filling up the stadium either. So there's that. I mean, that's just a byproduct of living in South Florida. I mean, you know what? Damn South Florida. It's a byproduct of cultural ball around the nation. You know, USC just kicked off a game a couple weeks ago, and they had something like 15,000 people in the Coliseum. So it's not just an FIU thing. And last but not least, the point I did make to Tony is this, and this is where I actually understand FIU fans' frustration. Um, as I, you know, talk about the, the local outlets and I'm not the person who's going to critique them, right? Because I understand journalistically, um, there are some, some 
there's some constraints that come with covering FIU, putting resources towards covering FIU when the, the fan base, and I've, I've said it on, on, on record many times, David, do not confuse passion with the size of fan base with passion. FIU is one of the most passionate fan bases out there. It's not the largest. And I can understand from a journalistic perspective in terms of resources, you may not want to um, devote a full-time person with some of these outlets, but I can absolutely understand. Uh, and I'll have to go back and look at Michelle Kaufman's official title, but when you have a, a, someone from the Herald, a noted writer from the Herald, coming on saying, all right, is it time for FIU to, suppose, to, to you know, emphasize men's soccer? It's like, hey, where was that when the team won 17 games in two years? As I said, Chris Vanini was the only national writer to do that. Michelle Kaufman, is, she's a, a sports writer. Um, so I think, so yes, this would be, she's not a columnist, but she's a general sports writer. Um, so that would be considered a column. But yeah, I, David, I get that. And I would be frustrated too if the only things that I saw from the major, out lo- major outlet locally ain't about, you know, the success we were having when we looked to be on the cusp of being one of the next group of five teams to contend it's the negative so it's just my thoughts all right so you just heard the interview with tony capobianco of five reasons sports you can find him at a myriad of places check him out on twitter and also you heard him shout out where you can find out where you can find excuse me his work on the interwebs but david i know you're exhausted from that one man how how'd it feel to go you know toe-to-toe with tony and defend your school I mean, it was fun. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't agree with all his points, but I did. I think he started slowly um, realizing that, that you know, he probably should have changed the name of his article because I, I believe we, we, we agreed on to the point that FIU does really need to invest into athletics. And, uh, you know, we recorded that obviously before the, uh, you know, the news broke of the new AD. And so hopefully – you know, we're, 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 we're on the right path. We're on the right track. And, uh, you know, that Scott can, can do some great things here and, and, and hopefully that narrative starts to change. Um, because I, I, I almost want to stop talking about that, that interview so we can just move on. Uh, like just not, not that, not his interview, the, the, the Butch, you know, whole situation, but, um, uh, but yeah, man, I, I am, I am, I, I'm just, I'm just excited, man. I haven't been, I haven't been this excited. It, all year, or even honestly, two years, because last year wasn't too great either. So, um, but yeah, and I, I'm I'm pumped, and 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 you know, I'm, Eric, give me a pause up. <laughs> I will give you a the future is bright for FIE. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I, it's been a long day. All right, I, I for those of you who, who didn't catch the presser, you know, Scott Card decided to you know thank the media by name, and that that was awkward, you know, for. Uh, journalistic integrity reasons and then you know i had rory coming up trying to dap me up and i i it, it was awkward it was awkward yeah, but you know hey um Eric, anyone you needs are to you are a panther rory could have <laughs> rory sniffed you out he's like oh this is a fellow panther <laughs> eric just accept your destiny accept your fate and welcome to the dark side <laughs> and you know what allow me to put in another 20 years of covering fiu and then i i'll take the as i joke with you off here I, i'll take the honorary masters at that point so uh We'll, uh, we'll take it step by step. But with that, I want to thank you for listening to the Shulwell Podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. You can find my FIU coverage at underdogdynasty.com, SB Nation's home for a group of five football coverage. You can find David on Twitter. Excellent Twitter follow, if I may add myself, at Mr. Handel321. And last but not least, you can find Shane Marinelli. As I mentioned, this is his 
It, it is all systems go for Shane. It is recruiting season. As a matter of fact, I will divulge a little you know, behind-the-scenes deal right here. Shane's not even on as we're closing this episode right now because he had to take a call regarding you know recruiting. <laughs> so it is his time to shine. You can find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane. And, of course, his FAU coverage at Owls247. 247 is home for FAU football. Thank you for listening. We want to say please, any feedback you have on the podcast, feel free to DM myself or Dave. If it's positive, if it's negative, hit up Shane. You can take it. Um, And with that, thank you for listening and enjoy the offseason, guys.